Heavenly Father, I just lift up every person in this place, yes, God, that is struggling with depression. God, every person that's struggling with sadness of heart. Maybe they're struggling with anger, with rage. God, maybe something's happened in their life this week with their family, with their coworkers. Maybe it's with the HOA or whatever it is. God, we give it to you and we exalt you above it. Whatever it is our struggle is, we exalt you above it. And we give it all to you. Lord, we give you our attitude. We give you our desires. We give you our social media. We give you our money. We give you our time. We give you our energy. Lord, it all belongs to you. And may everything that we do say, may it all be pleasing to you. Everything that we post, everything that we say to our coworkers, everything that we do, may it be to glorify you and not ourselves. Because God, in and of ourselves, Lord, we are wretched. We are sinners. We are fallen. But, Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be made new. Lord, you can change us, revitalize us, make us new. Lord, so that we shine and reflect you into a lost and dying world. And, Lord, we praise you and we thank you for the opportunity to reflect you with our breastplate of righteousness, as we learned about last week, Lord, that we would reflect you in a lost and dying world, that the darkness would run and hide. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 You may be seated. And I just want to thank everybody for coming out today. How many of you knew, like, it was tournament time, so we had at least one more good, snowy, nasty weather day in us, right? As the state of Indiana, March, we've got one more good, snowy, nasty day. Well, that snowy, nasty day happened to land on a day that we were doing outreach to the homeless. We were doing an outreach to tent, uh, what's called Tent City in Anderson. And uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody that went. If you went yesterday to uh, help the homeless and those that live under the bridge and stuff in Anderson, would you just uh, raise your hand? Um, and can we just give these people a round of applause? They went out. They went out in the snow and the nasty weather. Um, to love on the homeless that live under the bridges in Anderson, uh, to Tent City, and does any, I'm just going to, this is totally impromptu, anybody who went yesterday, do you want to share, you got anything that, you, that touched your heart or your mind or just touched you that you'd like to share? Jim, yeah, can you, you want to just come on up, and I'm going to hand over the mic, um, just don't do a mic drop, and I think we'll all be okay. <laughs> Yeah, I showed up yesterday, didn't know what to expect, um, but I just kept thinking of the scripture when Jesus says, when I was thirsty, you brought me a drink of water. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And they said, when did we do that, Lord? And he said, when you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. And um, I didn't know what to expect. As the leader said, it can be a little bit scary. You don't know what you're going to run into. But the Lord is with us, so what did we have to fear? And I just thought, if not us, Lord, then who? Who will go? And um, they're looking for a new leader for that ministry. Uh, the gentleman who's currently in charge of that is stepping down. And I've been praying about it. I don't know if anybody else I know... Trish and your husband were there. Just wondered if anybody else would feel led to step up. Um, I may. I'm praying about it. I don't know if that's where God wants to use me, but 
I, I may do something like that because it is a great ministry. My, um, my experience yesterday was not really exciting because we walked and walked and walked and we never found any homeless people. <laughs> so I didn't really experience blessing them, witnessing to them or loving on them. But I just thought, you know, that's a blessing in itself because there wasn't anybody where we went that was in need. Uh, but it was just a lot of fun. It's only once a month. And uh, if anyone else feels led, I would uh, encourage you to join us. It's a great way to meet new brothers and sisters in Christ and serve the Lord. And um, so I'm pretty excited about it. Thanks, Jim. Thanks. That's awesome. Yeah, you just, you never know when you step out in faith and do something that's outside of your comfort zone, you just never know how God's going to move on you or through you. So anybody else? Anybody else? Bueller? Bueller? No. All right. Some of you are not uh, old enough to get that reference. <clears throat> Be grateful. So last week we talked about as we go through we're talking about spiritual warfare and we're talking about our spirit spiritual armor that we have last week we talked about the breastplate of righteousness right and we talked about how oftentimes it's been said if you've been in church any length of time they'll say well the sword is the only offensive weapon that you have and what we're learning is that's simply not true that the breastplate of righteousness the soldier would have shined their breastplate so much that the sun would the sun, when the Romans would attack, they would attack into the sun so that the light of the sun would bounce off the breastplate and blind their enemy. And, of course, when you have a legion, which is 6,000, if the Romans attack with three or four legions, and you're talking, do dirty math here, you know, 12,000 or 18,000 or 24,000 people, and the sun is shining off of them and they're coming at you, it's blinding, right? It's blinding. And so this is how Romans would attack. Um, and I, I think for all of us in, the, in this cultural war that we're facing, that when we walk in righteousness, it is blinding to people. It confuses them. The one thing about brilliance and light is that, you know, when you first turn that light on in the morning, it's confusing and stunning. You're like, oh, my gosh. And when we walk out in the spirit of Christ and in our righteousness and right standing with Jesus, it blinds the enemy. It blinds culture. It confuses them. Wait, you believe what? You're not doing that because why? You're doing this because why? This is confusing. This is, this is, this is confusing to us. And so when we walk in righteousness and we walk with our breastplate of righteousness on, it blinds and confuses society. And that is part of our witness in that. And what we're going to see today is... You know, there's this verse that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15, that we're going to talk about it just a little bit this morning, and we're going to get into the next piece of armor that he talks about, and that's uh, peace. It says in Ephesians 6, 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The word fitted here is the Greek word hupodeo, it's H-U-P-O, D-E-O, H-U-P-O-D-E-O, hupodeo. It's two compound Greek words. Hupo means to be underneath of something, right? And so as if you're lifting, if you ever have lifted something up, they would say that you are hupo, you're underneath of it, okay? So you are underneath, and it, it carries the idea of not only are you underneath, but that 
you're up and reaching around. The second part of this word, deo, D-E-O, literally means to tie and to fasten. And so there's something underneath your foot that comes around and it ties and it fastens together. Oftentimes, when we think about people in Jesus' day, and we think about what they wore on their feet, we think of sandals, right? And they wore sandals and their feet were exposed and so on. Um, and that's true for the common person, but not for the Roman soldier. The Roman soldier actually had shoes where their whole foot was covered, and they would have laces on those shoes, and we'll get into the details of it here in just a second. But when they created those shoes and those shoes of peace, they would actually, on the bottom of their feet, they would stack leather. And so it provided some cushion for their feet. And their feet and their toes would be totally enclosed. The other part of this, if you ever look at a Roman soldier's footwear, you'll notice that there is this metal piece that will come all the way up almost to their knees, right? And so what a blacksmith would do, each Roman soldier had specialized shoes that were uniquely fitted for their feet. It was not one size fits all. Here, just put this on, put these sandals on, and we hope you survive. They actually would, the blacksmith would come and he would get a piece of brass and he would measure from the bottom of the knee down to the top of the foot and across the top of the foot. And that is called a, a greave. And they would measure that greave and then they would form it to the soldier's shin. Why? Anybody ever whacked your shin on anything? Right? I mean, seriously, you, we chuckle and laugh, but it's true. It was to protect the shin. Because if I get into hand-to-hand -hand combat, here's a weak spot for you. Whack. Right? And so it would protect the shin. It would also wrap around and protect the bottom part from the knee below. It would protect that whole bottom piece of your leg. Because if you're marching and there's 6,000 of you in a legion, right, and you're going you're gonna to march through some stuff. You're going to march through swamps and bristles and briars and all sorts of things. And the last thing we can have you do is marching through thorns with your feet and your legs exposed. Okay? So when Paul talks about marching in peace and, and moving forward in, in, in peace, we have to understand something that the peace you have is the peace you need because the peace you have is customized for you. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't grow in peace and that your peace doesn't get stronger and that you don't draw closer to Christ and your peace can grow and become, you become more comfortable in the peace of Christ. But we have to understand something that when you're marching through life and things happen and the thistles and the thorns of life hit you, the peace that you have is the peace that you need. What we have to do is walk in it. Right? We have to walk in that peace. We have to stay in that peace. It's so easy to go, well, I don't have peace about this because blah, 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 blah. Listen, don't take your shoes off. Quit taking your shoes off in the middle of the war. There's a cultural war going on. There's a spiritual war going on. And too many of us are like, I don't have peace. I don't have any peace. I, I just don't have peace. And I have worry and I have anxiety and I have fear, etc., etc. Leave your shoes on. Right? I mean, could you imagine leaving a concert like it? Not, it's not even Banker's Life anymore. I don't even know what it's called. But yeah, whatever that word is. Yeah, and or it's not even like Deer Creek anymore, right? It's not Verizon. It's it's Ruoff. Thank you. Old. So 
Have you ever, could you imagine leaving a concert with thousands and thousands of people from one of those venues and you just sit down and take your shoes off? We're going to walk out of here with no shoes on. Unless you've been drinking excessively. <laughs> you wouldn't do that. You do, people don't, and nobody does that, right? <laughs> See me after service. The point is you don't remove your shoes because they provide a sense of peace and safety where you step. So that if you do step on something that's sharp, it'll go through the bottom, hopefully go through the bottom of your sole or hit your sole, but it won't go through and puncture your foot. You have peace. And so because you have peace, you can move forward in crowds of thousands of people. If you have no shoes protecting your feet and no soles, and those soles aren't thick enough and your, and your feet aren't protected, you're going to move differently. And so Paul tells the church at Ephesus, he goes, listen, you have shoes of peace. They would have understood that the Romans' feet is protected because the shoes and the grieve that they have covering their shin and around the bottom of their leg is specifically designed for each soldier. And they would have moved forward in the peace that they had, in the shoes that they had. Some Roman soldiers, you, could, you can look this up, some Roman soldiers literally had thick, because they would just stack the leather under their feet and walk on it. And they would wrap it around their, their feet. The, the sandals that we see are for the common person every day. This is why Jesus washed his disciples' feet, right? Because their feet were exposed. But not so for soldiers. Not for those who are in a fight. Not for those who are in a war. And so he says, your feet are fitted. Fitted with this. He says, the readiness. It means to prepare oneself for, for a specific endeavor. I am fitted and I am prepared for a specific endeavor. F readiness. I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to go. It's not, it's not like most of us on Monday morning. that not, We're not ready. I, I want to share something with you. This is, not, this is just extra, okay? You guys, you guys always smile when I say this is not in my notes. Is this where you're putting on your seat belts and grabbing the bar? And the, anyway. So... Did you know that study, psychological studies have found the attitudes you have when you go to bed greatly impacts the attitude you have when you wake up? If you go to bed thinking, oh my gosh, I gotta get up tomorrow, I'm dreading that meeting, I'm blah, 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 guess what kind of attitude you wake up with? You wake up groggy, you wake up wanting to hit the snooze, you wake up uh, already feeling defeated, not sure if you wanna go. The attitude you tell, what you tell yourself when you go to bed is almost directly related to the attitude you will have when you wake up. So if you're going to bed dreading the next day, dreading some meeting, dreading having to talk to somebody, dreading the work, dreading the drive, guess what happens when you wake up? But if you tell yourself before you go to bed, I'm thankful that I've had this day. I'm looking forward to my drive to work tomorrow. I'm looking forward to, and you change your attitude before you go to sleep, it greatly impacts the positivity you have when you wake up. Just something to think about. <laughs> you guys are like really quiet, just looking at me like, oh snap, I have to be positive on a Sunday night before I get up on a Monday morning. Yes, you do. <laughs> you no more excuses for you. So when you wake up, guess what? You're what Paul says, you're ready to go. 
right? You guys can be like Mr. Rogers and put your sweater on and have a snappy new day. Okay? All right. Then he says, not only are you ready, not only is it fitted for what you need, not only are you ready to go, but you have peace. The word peace, I want to approach it from a Hebrew and Jewish standpoint. Not that the Ephesians were Jewish. They were Gentiles. They were like you and I. We were not Jewish, but Paul was. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. So if you're at a Jewish temple or synagogue on a Saturday and you leave that synagogue, you would tell your Jewish friends as you're walking out the door, go into your car, you would say shalom. Right? If you greeted them, you would say shalom. The Hebrew word shalom is, means peace. But let me kind of dive in a little deeper because that word literally means to be complete. May you be complete. May you be whole. May you be whole in your psychology and thinking. May you be whole and complete in your finances. May you be whole and complete in your family. May you be whole and complete in how you view yourself and your confidence. Everything about you is to be complete and whole. That's what the word shalom means. My prayer for you is that you would be completed and everything would be whole and everything would be what it needs to be. Think about that for a minute. You walk in wholeness as a Christian. Paul writes and says, you walk in wholeness. You walk in comple completeness of mind, completeness of emotions, completeness of finances, completeness of family. Complete that is what we are to walk in. Now, how can we walk in that if we don't have the one who is fully complete operating in our lives? You can't. You cannot be complete unless you have the author of what is complete in your heart, in your lives, and in your mind. Because no human by themselves, left to their own vices, are, are complete. We are not. If you notice on day seven, God rested, right? It wasn't like God said, I'm going to hit the couch and watch some Sunday afternoon football because I'm tired. That's not what rested means. Rested means in that Genesis account, there was nothing left for him to do. There was nothing left for him to do. It was complete. It was whole. God was at peace. He was at shalom. I've completed everything I need to complete for life to thrive and for me to interact with that life and have a relationship with it. It's shalom. It's complete. And so I'm resting. I'm not resting because I'm tired. I'm resting because all the work is done. It didn't wear me out to make creation. It, nothing wore me out. I just completed everything for a lifestyle and a life that will reflect heaven and look like what heaven looks like. And they will interact with how we interact here in heaven. But then we just decided, we, thanks. <laughs> thanks for all the goodies. We got this out, right? And here we sit. And so peace means shalom, which tells me something. If Paul is talking about the Roman soldier, and he's talking about war, and he's talking about spiritual warfare, it tells me that you can have wholeness and be at war. You can have wholeness and still be at war. You can be whole and complete and still, be, and still get attacked in your mind. 
You can still get attacked in your family. You can still get attacked in your relationships. You can still get attacked in your finances. You can still get attacked in every area of life, but still be complete and whole. Why? Because the enemy hates wholeness and completeness and peace. And if you start walking in peace, he's going to come after you. But don't worry about it because why? Because you have peace. You're whole. You're complete. Right? When your life is under siege, you have a, des- a divine right to walk in peace and wholeness. To say, that might be fine for you, but not for me. For me, it's this. Because I know who I am and I know where I'm going. I don't question things because the word of God gives me what I need for in that moment, I can walk in peace. And what's confusing for you isn't confusing for me. Because I know who I am. I know what my identity is. It's set forth before time ever existed. And my identity will exist when time is over. That I will continue to be who I am. So if my finances go in the tank, I'm at peace. If my family goes in the tank, I'm at peace. If my job goes in the tank, I'm at peace. If my tank has no gas, I'm still at peace. Right? I'm at peace no matter the circumstance. Remember, there's a passage in the Bible that says that when you've done all that you can do, stand and keep standing. But if you ever read that passage, and it's here in Ephesians 6, if you ever read that passage, look at the caveat to standing when you've done everything you know to do. If I'm doing everything I know to do, then I'm I'm still marching forward. I'm still pushing forward in an area of my life. I'm still moving forward. It's only when you don't know how to move forward anymore that you're supposed to stand. Christians, a Christian's job is not to stand still and just say, I'm going to keep standing and praise God. I'm just, I got this territory. I'm just going to claim it. I've got victory over this in my life. I'm just going to keep standing in it. That's not the Christian's job. The Christian's job is to move forward. And as we move forward in the briars and the thistles of life and the problems of life, we still have peace because we're guarded all the way up. And we can keep walking because the peace that we have is the peace that we need because it's custom-fitted peace for us to keep moving forward. It's only when you can no longer move forward and you're standing there dazed and confused and you don't know what's going on. Okay, I just got to stand. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how this has happened. I got to stand. Standing is the last option, but it's an option if you need it. Now, in this idea of peace and walking in peace, I, I want us to make something very clear because you, I, I hear this a lot. I hear this a lot as I do funerals. Um, they were at peace with God. They made their peace with God. I, I just want to jump on this for a minute because it is related to peace. There are two types of peace in the Bible. There are two types of peace. There is peace with God, and there is the peace of God, and they are completely different. There is peace with God and peace of God. The peace with God comes at salvation. When you choose to follow Jesus, God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of of putting myself above you. Forgive me. I want you to come into my life, and I want to live my life for you so that every thought and every deed and every action and every post that I make on social media and every conversation I have is yielded to your word. That's peace with God. And peace with God is salvation. Right? 
you've made that declaration. Look at Colossians chapter 1, 19 through 21. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness, he's talking about Jesus, God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. He's talking about the peace with God. That through Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Jesus and came to earth and showed us a new way to be human through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we could love our neighbors as we should be loving ourselves. And we can put God above everything. This is how we're to live. And we can have peace in that. And then Jesus dies on the cross and says, I will take the brunt of every evil thought, every evil action, every evil thing in this world. I will take the brunt of that on me so that you don't have to live that way through eternity and take the punishment of that. I'll take it. Right? And so then he reconciles John 3.16, for God so loved the what? The world. You know, I asked a Christian lady this. She grew up in church. And I said, what does John 3.16 say? And she says, God so loved the humans. I said, that's not what it says. God so loved the world. The Greek word is cosmos. It's his ordered creation. He so loved his ordered creation that he came to die for it and redeem it. You and I just happen to be a part of that creation as the pinnacle top piece. The most beautiful thing that he created in all of creation was you and I. And he loved it all. He loved the trees and the fish and the elk, right? And the deer. Some of you love deer too, just in stew. Right? And he loved all of it. And he says, This is, I want to redeem all of that I've made. And yes, I want to redeem your souls as well. And so I'm going to take the brunt of all of the sin. And then I'm going to do something unthinkable. What he tells his disciples and the Pharisees and Sadducees, You destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. And they all thought he was crazy. Why? Because they were thinking physical building. How are you going to rebuild a building in three days? He wasn't talking about a physical building. He was talking about the temple, the body as the temple. He goes, listen, it's, it's one thing, like, people come back from the dead, right? I can just tell you in the medical field, people come back. Any of you are nurses or doctors, you know. It, sometimes it happens. But that person never announces two years before their death, hey, you're going to kill me and I'll be back in three days. Okay, that's a, now we're playing a whole different ball game. Right? Oh, and then just walk around like nothing happened. Because most people that come back are stuck in ICU and wired up. Jesus just gets out, pushes a stone away, is like, hey guys, I'm back. Like nothing ever happened. And so he comes down in the fullness and he says, now because of this, I've beaten death. Any of you beaten death on your own just because? No? Okay, well, how about you come and walk with me and let me show you a new way to be human and fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit so you have the power to walk this power out through the rest of your life. And you can walk in peace. Because what's he say? He says, walk in the gospel, have your feet prepped with the gospel of peace. That's the gospel. I don't care what this world does to me. Even death can't reign over me because of Jesus. And so I have peace. I have peace no matter what. That's peace with God. And you can look it up again in Romans 5.1. I spent way too much time on that point. The second 
type of peace found in Scripture in the New Testament is peace of God. The peace of God. Now, the peace of God is a protective peace, and it protects us from anxiety. It protects us from worry. It protects us from fear. And we grow in this peace. The more we see God accomplish things in our life, the more we see God do things in our life, then we have peace knowing if he did it then, he'll do it then. And if he did it back there, he'll do it here. Because he's faithful and true to his word. Right? He's a God who's faithful. And we grow in our peace. So we don't have to have anxiety. So we don't have to have worry. We don't have to have fear. So if you're fearful about they're laying people off at my job and I don't know what's going to happen, you don't have to worry because David said, I've never seen his seed begging for bread or been in need. And so he will provide. It's what he does. He loves his children. He provides for them. I've got to find a spouse. I've got to find a spouse. No, you don't. Trust your father to bring you your spouse. You go about and do your job. Live your life. God will bring you your spouse. Some of y'all just looked at each other with honey eyes. <laughs> right? I just made honey eyes up. I have no idea what that means. Anyway, the peace of God grows. The peace with God is a one-time event where you yield your life to God. Are you with me? The peace of God grows as you grow in that relationship. And so Philippians 4.7 uh, says this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That the peace of God, once you've made peace with God, now you can walk in the peace of God and it will begin to protect your mind. I don't care what the news says. I don't, I, I don't, every time I see the news, I just see more and more of this being fulfilled. Like it just only more confirms what I believe to be right. That there is going to be a one world government. There is going to be this antichrist person. There is going to be a cashless society that runs without cash. It's all coming. And if you don't, gee whiz. Like, since COVID is just like accelerated stuff. Right? It's all coming. I don't fear it. The Bible says that... I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go there. Strap in. It's on my notes again. In Revelation, it talks about the mark of the beast. Six six six. Six 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 is not. Hear me. Six 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 is not the number of Satan. It makes it very clear. It is the number of man. It's humanity. And it says it will be on their heads and on their hands. The definition and the clarification of this needs to be very clear. They will work. What's his hand? Hands represent work, your work. You're able to, you work with it. Whatever this thing mark is, it's your work. You work at it. You think about it all the time because it's marked also on your head. That is your thought life. That is what you think about. It's what you work for. And it's man Man's way of doing things. And it's on our mind all the time. We're mentally addicted to it. It's got to be in our hands all the time. We have to see it. I'm just throwing it out there. When you start studying that, you're going to find... Good, all right. Nobody threw their cell phone on the ground and freaked out on me. But, oh, my sister did. Oh, well. I've been scaring her all my life. So... 
the point is this. The point is, when you walk with God and you begin to realize things and you begin to see things happen, you don't fear it. You're not afraid of it. I don't fear this. It's coming. I know it is. I see it escalating, but I don't fear it. I walk in peace. Somebody is walking in peace. Praise God. Right? So there's peace with God and there's peace of God. The last thing that I want to point out about peace is, as we get ready to wrap this up, uh, my last two points are this. One, peace is a defensive weapon, right? As you're walking through the trials and the trauma of life and you're walking through the tragedies of life and things begin to happen, they can't stop your advancement. You have that grieve around your feet, right? And it's protecting your legs and your ankles. It's protecting your feelings and how you move through life. It's protecting you. And it allows you to walk through difficult situations, even though you don't understand why and things don't make sense. You can say, you know what? I'm at peace with God and it's okay. I'm at peace with God and it's okay. So I can keep moving forward. I can keep going. I can keep pushing. I'm going to believe God for growth. I'm going to believe God for growth in my finances. I'm going to believe God for growth in my marital relationship. I'm going to believe God for growth in my relationship with my kids and my grandkids. I'm going to believe God for growth. And wherever it is that you're believing God for growth, begin to march in it and begin to walk in it and begin to expect it. But also begin to expect this, that when you step out in faith, you've just intimidated your enemy. And he's going to try to put up bristles and thorns and all sorts of things to keep you from moving forward in peace because as you keep moving forward in peace your breastplate is just shining righteousness everywhere you go on your job and at Meyer and at Walmart and everywhere you go why aren't you why aren't you getting frustrated that the line isn't moving faster when you check out because I don't care it's not about this it's only going to save me 60 seconds what's that going to do I mean honestly right I, I walk in peace in this stuff. I walk in peace in this world because I don't live by the same rules. That was your amen spot, but you guys are sleepy. All right. When you begin to believe God and begin to walk in peace in these things, expect to be attacked. That's all I'm saying. It's going to happen because he doesn't want you advancing. He doesn't want you advancing. Now, here's the other thing. Here's the interesting thing that... Not only did it fully cover their feet like shoes and have pads, padded leather in it, but, and we can't even get padded leather in our own shoes, can we? All right, so, but on the bottom, on the bottom of their shoes, of their boots, or whatever you want to call them, they had spikes. And some of them had up to three-inch spikes on the bottom of their shoes. And so when they got into hand-to-hand combat, they could dig in. And as we'll find out about the shield, the shield covered from the top of the head down to the feet. It's a pretty immovable force when you've got 6,000 of them just marching at you. Because they were taught in order to be able to use these type of cleats, and they were sharp. I mean, they were sharp. They were taught to take Short, quick, strong steps. Right? And you get enough people doing that, well, they're going to aerate the yard real well. Right? 
But you get enough people doing this, they can pretty much march over anything and everything. Their feet are protected. You can just... So it helped a soldier stand their ground in battle. They weren't pushed around because they had nearly three inches digging into the dirt and bracing themselves. They could stand. So when the Bible says you've done everything you can do but stand, you dig in and you stand. And you stand. You stand with your shield of faith. Right? And we'll talk about that in a few weeks. But Ephesians, just write this down. We're not going to go there. Ephesians 6.14. Ephesians 6.14. 1 Corinthians 16.13. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, 2 Corinthians 1, 24, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 24, all encourage us to stand and understand that when you dig in with peace, it's hard to move. You ever met somebody who's just at peace with stuff? You can like throw all the negativity you want at them and they're like, okay. Like they don't fret. They don't worry. They don't fear. They're dug into peace. That's what we have to be. The peace of God will keep, keep us in place when everything else is pushing against you. The peace of God will hold you in place when everything else is pushing against you. All of life can be pushing against you, but if you're like, you know what? Jesus didn't bring me this far. Jesus, God didn't take the Israelites out of Egypt just to take them back. He didn't bring me out this far just to, just to wallow and turn tail and run. So we dig in and we stand. I don't know. I don't have an answer. I'm standing. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm aggravated. I'm mad. But you know what? I've got the peace of God, and I'm going to be okay. And I'm just going to dig in. I'm going to hold my ground because I've gotten this far. I'm not relinquishing any ground. And you dig in with your three-inch spikes. You get into the Word of God, and you study, and you pray, and you dig in with your cleats, and you just stand there. You probably aren't going to feel like advancing or want to advance. But here's the beauty. That's your cleats as a defensive weapon. Last point is this. Peace is also an offensive weapon. Because what do you think you can do with a three-inch pointed spike on multiple spikes on the bottom of your shoes when hand-to-hand combat? They were trained, and they would train and train and train against one another. And they were trained to wipe out. Once their enemy hit the ground, they were trained to go for the neck with three-inch spikes. It would crush everything in the neck. Somebody said to me the other day, he said, you know... Everything in the Roman armor is all forward-facing, and there's nothing protecting the back. If I've just crushed your neck, I don't have to worry about the back. (laughs) Because the spikes literally, in the Greek, it literally... um, Actually, let's look up Romans 16.20. Romans 16.20 says this, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. What do you think is going through their mind when they read this letter in Romans? Because they've seen Roman soldiers crush the necks. And they've seen the blood and the bones and the nerves all just come. I'm not trying to be gross. I'm just being real. All of it just come out. Right? The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. (laughs) Guess what? Wait, who's the God of peace is crushing Satan under whose feet? Your feet. Not Jesus's, not God's, your feet. Which means if you're going to crush the enemy, at some point you can no longer just stand. You're moving forward in what God gave you. You're moving forward in what God spoke to you. Remember we talked about the the word of God is two forms, right? There's logos, the written word, and then there's rhema, the spoken word. 
We're going to talk about that when we talk about the sword of the Spirit, because that's not the written word, that's the spoken word of God. When you begin to move forward, God will cause peace, and you will crush the neck of your enemy. It doesn't matter if nothing's guarding your backside. The enemy's done. They were trained to crush the neck once they got them down. That's your job. Peace is an offensive weapon. I'm moving forward, and I'm going to crush your neck, and I'm going to crush every vital thing that flows through there. The word crush doesn't, it literally is a military word that means to crush bones. This is what they envisioned. This is what they saw. When Paul wrote to Rome, when he wrote to the Christians in Rome, where there were plenty of Roman soldiers, they, this, is, this is their image in their mind. We're next just being stomped on, gutted with three-inch cleats. Our job is to reinforce the victory and march forward in peace. Jesus won the victory. Now our job is to march forward in it. And when you march forward in peace, you destroy the work of the enemy because he's confused. Why are they moving forward? Why are they marching forward? And if you think about the soldier's training, they're taking small, quick, strong steps. Boom, boom. And I've got 6,000 people just moving, 24,000, 32,000 people just moving. Boom, boom. They're crushing everything in their path. Everything in their path. Jesus won the victory on the cross. Our job is to move forward in peace and crush the rest and take ground. I don't know any kingdom that just says we're content with where we're at. We're, we're content with our borders. No kingdom ever did that back in the day. They were always advancing, always pushing. So here's what I want to tell you. If the enemy is standing in your way and opposing you, don't ask him. Now, God, I just pray that the enemy would move and get out of my way. That is the most ridiculous, softest prayer. Your job is to get aggressive and assertive and go on the offense. This, all of this Roman equipment, this, these Roman soldier equipment is all designed for both defensive and offensive purposes. The sword of the spirit is not the only offensive weapon in the arsenal. We got to march forward in peace. I'm going to leave you with this thought and then we're going to close. The, the shoe of peace is, a, is graphic. It's a portrayal of a Christian who is confident in the peace of God because they have the peace with God. It's a graphic portrayal of a Christian who is confident in the peace of God because they have the peace of God. That's our job, is to move forward and push and take territory and take the enemy. This is our job. I got anybody ready to march? Yes? All right, let's stand up. We're going we're gonna to pray. And if you need prayer for anything this morning, I'm going to pray and then we're going to dismiss. But if you need prayer, Steve Jett and Josh and Beth will be up here to pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence in this place today. God, I thank you that as we march forward, as we move forward, Lord, that we will crush the neck of the enemy. That we will use our peace to either stand our ground when we don't know what else to do, or we will continue to march forward and take that. Lord, and what it looks like, God, is devotions with our families at night, prayer with our spouses at night, 
praying on the way to work, Lord, moving in peace even when it doesn't make sense. That, God, you have given us this offensive weapon of peace to, as you said in Romans, crush the head of the enemy. That you, with your peace, we would crush the head of the enemy. Lord, I praise you and I thank you for that, God. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. You guys have an amazing week.